0: It's time to take a look around the NFL with our weekly visit from John McClain here on Raider Nation Radio 920.
1: And John McClain will be joining us in a matter of seconds. Definitely appreciate him each and every week. Uh, Got a tweet from Robert Ruiz who said, Q, what I want to see improve is everything that happened to the high-power offense. What happened to the high-power offense? Excuse me, we were promised. It was not a good performance. And also Jones, Crosby, no sacks. I was expecting more. Uh, That's something that I did want to bring up. Max Crosby had a really good PFF rating, like 92 point something. Had a lot of great uh, pressures. uh, Was very active. You could tell he was very busy. But you're right. Robert came up with no sacks. And that's between him and Jones and the interior of the defensive line. I would like to see some production. And you're going to have a tough dude. You know, Justin Herbert was a tough dude. He ran around the yard a lot. Well, Kyler Murray, he's going to run around the yard a lot as well. So they're going to have their work cut out for him. But got to get home to the quarterback, got to get him on the ground. Pressures are great, got to get him to the ground as well. As promised, join us now on the phone lines from gallerysports.com and Sports Radio 610 is our good friend John McClain. And John, I do appreciate you this afternoon. What did you think of that game, the way it ended last night between the Broncos and the Seahawks with Nathaniel Hackett deciding on a 64-yard field goal?
2: Well, Q and and I thought about it the same way you guys thought about it. It's one of the dumbest decisions I've ever seen or heard about because you have one of the greatest come from mind quarterbacks in NFL history and Russell Wilson you know how bad he wanted to pull out that game I've seen him make some miraculous comebacks and I thought for sure I couldn't understand why they were letting the clock run down and you've got Troy Aikman criticizing you, you've got the Mannings you've got Shannon Sharp Nathaniel Hackett, I'm surprised he can Go back to Denver today and show his face in public because that was one of the worst decisions anybody has ever seen and they left with a one point loss and allowed Geno Smith to start his starting career with a Seahawks with a 1-0 record.
1: Right, yeah, he did. He felt good about himself. Seattle felt good about themselves. And uh, just a bizarre night. It really was. And Nathaniel Hackett, as you mentioned, uh, some weird decisions he made late in the game. And look, they brought in Russell Wilson to Denver to let him cook, right? That's what they said. And then they took the ball out of his hand and had the field goal kicker attempt 64 yards. John, just none of that made sense to me. How do you think Nathaniel Hackett, how do you think he bounces back as the head coach?
2: Well, they're lucky they get to play the Texans in Denver, so they ought to beat the Texans to be one and one. But, boy, they very easily could have been 2-0. and oh. And I'll say this, the next time they're in that situation, I'll guarantee you he's not going to kick if he needs Russell Wilson to win the game. And Brandon McManus is a good kick. he had, kicker. He had the distance, mm-hmm. but he was 1-8 and eight from 60-plus yards. So there's no way you could feel confident in that. Give me Russell Wilson and his arm and his legs on a fourth and 4 any day of the week. Over a kicker trying to make the second sixty-plus yard field goal of his career.
1: And John, you mentioned the Texans playing the, the Broncos next week, and that that's going to happen. But the Texans, they, they tie their first week one uh, game. How, how did that happen? Have you seen that happen before in week one? a, a tie.
2: I, I haven't thought about it, Q. All I know is, as the Texans were anywhere from six and a half to eight and a half point underdogs of the Colts. Everybody picked the Colts, including me. A lot of people switched from the Titans to the Colts to win the AFC South, and the Texans kicked their butt and were leading 20 to three early in the fourth quarter. And uh, Laramie Johnson, their left tackle, missed a block, blindside sack of Davis Mills, and he fumbled. They get the ball to 20, easy touchdown. So then it's 20 to 10, and and people here are really, really mad at Lovey Smith. Mm-hmm. So they they get the ball twice in overtime. And honestly their offense was terrible in the fourth quarter in overtime. Their defense was worn down by Jonathan Taylor, who finished with one hundred and sixty one yards. And Matt Ryan had hundred and forty six yards passing in the first three quarters and finished with three hundred and fifty two. So Lovey Smith is looking at 4th and 3 at the Indy 49 with 26 seconds left. So, considering how pathetic his offense was and how his defense was worn down, he didn't have any confidence in them on either side of the ball. So they punted, and they took the tie. And The joke, of course, is they're in first place in AFC South <laughs> with a, a 0-0-1 record tied with the Colts. But the fact is, they should have won the game and could not so he's been blasted for not being more aggressive. Now, if they had come from behind from the 17-point deficit in the fourth quarter and gotten a tie, people would have been happy. But right now, they're living.
1: Talking right now with John McClain from gallerysports.com, also Sports Radio 610 here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. So what was your biggest takeaway from Week 1, and how much do you expect the play uh, improvement from Week 1 to Week 2?
2: First of all, Q, you can't tell things about one week. Okay. You just can't. Look at how the Packers got obliterated by the Saints in the first game last year and then got home field advantage. One year, I remember the Patriots lost, I think, 31 or 32 to nothing to Buffaloes. Everybody wanted to get rid of Belichick, said Brady's too old, and they won the Super Bowl. You know, if you like all the quarterbacks from last year, really struggled, and Zach Wilson didn't play. Davis Mills, the third-round pick, threw for 240 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, and a 98.9 rating. He was better than the others, but Justin Fields, who had a 2.7 rating at halftime, threw two touchdowns in the second half, They beat the 49ers. But Trevor Lawrence had big interceptions, and he's the one that everybody speaks the most of, the generational Quarterback Trey Lance was terrible, so I'm guessing these guys they will improve steadily. A lot of them have new coaches, you know. I'll tell you an interesting stat, cube the quarterbacks who didn't play in preseason are three and eight. And I know this Patrick Mahomes played, and he looked pretty good, mm-hmm. so I I don't think this time next year coaches will be paying any attention to that. But it is interesting, three and eight he didn't play in
1: preseason. Yeah, you know, it's funny. We just had uh, Mike Greenberg from ESPN on, and I asked him about that because they had that stat on ESPN on the broadcast last night. Uh, Eight eight quarterbacks that that didn't play in the preseason, they lost, right? And so I asked him, and he said he didn't think that that had anything to do with anything. He thought it was just a coincidence. But that stood out to me as well, John.
2: It stood out to me too because I think it's more than a coincidence. And uh, especially when you see the quarterbacks like, Patrick Mahomes, he did play in preseason, play well. Trey Lance played once against Texans, looked bad. He looked bad in this game. Something I thought was very interesting, too, was a report by Jay Glazer on Fox that Kyle Shanahan called 15 veterans and met with him and to make sure they had Trey Lance's back in case he struggled and in the locker room players started wanting Jimmy G. Well, they know Trey Lance is the present and the future. And Jimmy Garoppolo is not. But if Lance doesn't play better and they want to play in the playoffs, they may have to go to Jimmy Garoppolo because Lance has not played well. Woo,
3: woo, woo. That's some heat right there, John. <laughs> Man, my next question was going to be about another hyped-up game. You had the Browns going against the Carolina Panthers and Baker Mayfield. He had a little t- a little trash talk about how much he wanted to get that win. What did you think about that game in general and Baker Mayfield basically laying a dud?
2: mine, I picked the Browns for two reasons. Great defense, great running game. Old-fashioned football. Jacoby Brissett's strength is not committing turnovers to lose a game. He's not going to win a game, take you down the field, boom, 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 with one completion after another. But Nick Chubb, man, that guy can run. He averaged over five yards of carry last year. They got a good offensive line. Because they play in weather that's so bad for – half the year, they've got to have a running game. And you know, they would have been devastated in Northeast Ohio had they lost, and Baker Mayfield could have quoted about a victory, but didn't happen. They won, playing the way football used to be played in the 60s.
3: All right, John, and something else, another Browns-related question. What do you think about the new Brownie, the Elf logo (laughs) in midfield?
2: I saw that today, and I, I... They used to have it, and people liked it. I think it's pretty cool. You know, the Browns have always been very boring with their uniforms and their helmets, and it's tradition, you know, Brown. It's tradition, and so um, why not? It might add a little lively, a little, it might, uh, it's been such a downer for them, be so bad for so long and then get Deshaun Watson and that controversy, while they've been working on building both sides of the ball, maybe it'll give them a little more as (laughs) P-I-R-I-T.
1: <laughs> a little spirit in their life. That's all they need, a little spirit in their life. Again, we're talking with John McClain here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. And one of those eight quarterbacks who didn't play in the preseason and lost on Sunday was, well, Raiders quarterback Derek Carr. Threw for 295, had two touchdown passes, but had three interceptions. Devontae Adams looked great, but what did you think of the overall performance of the Raiders and even the, the play calling from head coach Josh McDaniels?
2: Well, I'm, I'm not familiar with his play calling because I was so busy. And Derek Carr, you know, any time a guy has three interceptions, you got to look at him. What, did a receiver run the wrong route? Did a ball bounce off the receiver's hands? Or were they just bad passes into coverage? And I didn't see the interceptions but Carr can play better. You know, nobody feels worse about it than he does. And when you've got the kind of receivers that they do with Wilder and Renfro, you don't need Devontae Adams to get all the targets and the catches. But as you guys know, It's a tough division. It's a tough start. You can't fall too far behind in that division, or you'll be left behind when it comes time to make the playoffs.
1: Yeah, no, that's true. And, you know, as bad as the Raiders played at times, they still had an opportunity to win it at the end. They didn't get it done. Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa was too much for that Raiders offensive line. And this is something that I'm sure that you've probably never had had a familiarity with, and that's seven offensive linemen playing in the game because of a rotation. Um, how long do you think that the Raiders can keep that up before they have to say, look, man, this is the starting five on the O line?
2: I think when they get five guys, they can convince Josh McDaniels they're worthy of being the five starters. They're going to keep doing it. You know, that's one of the things. You know, this should be the fourth preseason game. Remember, there used to be six. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you can't just tell everything by three especially when guys are new, they're wanting a new system, or if you have a new coach, or they change things. So I don't think it's any reason to panic. But you know he'd like to have five guys stand out, and they say, aha, that's our starter.
1: Right. No, I agree. And we'll see how long uh, this rotation uh, lasts. But it's just, I mean, that unit, John, I mean, that's offensive line. They've got to be cohesive at some point. I mean, that's just something that you just don't normally rotate if you got the guys that you want.
2: One of the things about not being able to hit in the off season and nobody really hitting in training camp and guys playing so little in preseason is the offensive line and the communication. The Texans had three offensive linemen that didn't play in preseason, and it looked like it. They had miscommunication at the worst time. And I would say of all the positions you need that the most, it's the offensive and defensive line uh, because they can't go at it full speed. Coaches just don't let them do it anymore.
1: No, they don't. Not at all. John McClain is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. Final question for you. On Friday last week, Lamar Jackson did not come to an agreement with the Baltimore Ravens. He's playing for $23 million this year and then get back to the drawing board. What do you think ultimately happens with uh, Lamar Jackson? Were you surprised they didn't come to a deal agreement?
2: If he if indeed the reports are true that Deshaun Watson's contract got in the way, two hundred and thirty mil, I don't think he's gonna get it. I think when you got Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray, those guys signed for plenty of guaranteed money, my God. But if you insist on getting what Watson got, all the teams saying that's not the standard, mm-hmm. that's an outlier. We're not going back that's not where we start and teams are not going to change because all it will take is one more. If one more does it, then the other teams can't say, hey, that's not the standard. And he can be franchised. He can be there three more years. And to me, if you're going to get over $100 million guaranteed, I think it'd be pretty smart to take it. Don't let your ego get in the way.
1: You know what? I want to ask you one more question. Dak Prescott got injured in that game Sunday night with the Cowboys, and he's going to be out for a while, even though Jerry Jones said they're not going to put him on IR. Uh, how huge of a blow is that for the Cowboys?
2: You know, the truth is, Truth is, Q, they weren't playing very well when he was healthy. True. And I know when he hit his hand on another player, usually when you break a bone, you hit it on a thumb. And Jerry Jones is acting like he'll be back in four games. I think that that's Jerry trying to pump up his players, his coaches, his fan base, the media, social media to know, hey, there's 16 more games and he can play 12, when the fact is it won't be anybody's surprise if he has to – miss a couple more. On the other hand I heard Brett Favre talking on NFL radio the other day about that happening to him and what he underwent and how the pain if he can play he played with a split he played with the pain and he said the problem was when he played where it was humid he couldn't grip the ball like he needed to mm. like in Miami or Tampa and so I'm guessing Dak Prescott You hope he'll come back for four because he's a great guy. You hate to see him out. But, man, the Cowboys didn't look very good before that, and Philadelphia did in beating the Lions 38-35 with Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown having 10 catches for 155 yards. And so it looks to me like right now the, the Eagles are the best team in that division, and I'm certainly not buying stock in the Giants and the Commanders after one game.
3: All right, John, this is the official last one. Quick <laughs> yes or no. Have you started House of the Dragon yet?
2: Yes, I've watched every episode at least twice. Wow, that's <laughs> impressive.
1: Every episode I can't even get to watch. <laughs> I can't even get one episode under, let alone every episode twice. I'll text
3: you about it. We don't have to, we don't have, to have this conversation <laughs> on here.
2: Well, I'll tell you something that bothers me, DeMond. Shortly, it's going to jump ahead 15 years. And the actresses are going to change, and I don't like that because I like Rhaenyra.
1: There you go. Now, that sounds like a conversation I'm down with. That sounds like something that I want to be a part of. So, okay, good stuff. Galleriesports.com, Sports Radio 610 is where you can find John. What do you got coming out that we should be on the lookout for, John?
2: I've got on my radio station's website a report card observations about the Texans. I'm writing for Galleriesports.com. We've got every sport. We've got videos. we got everything people could want. And, uh, and we're going to have Gallery Gaming coming out soon, which is going to be a separate, and it's going to be all about gambling. ought to be a lot of interest to Las Vegas.
1: Absolutely. We're there. We're all there for it, John. So uh, we appreciate you. Galleriesports.com, again, Sports Radio 610, is where you can find John's work. John, thank you so much. We appreciate you.
2: in to mind. Thank you guys very much. Good luck to the Raiders. There
1: you go. John McClain right there, giving the good luck to the Raiders and breaking it down, all things NFL. And, yeah, it sounds like you guys are going down an avenue in a conversation that I'm okay with. I don't really have to know exactly what we're talking about to know exactly what we're talking about, right? I mean, I'm okay with that. I got radars and sensors, too. I'm just saying, right? I mean, look, I can watch the commercials. I I ain't got to go buy the product. I can watch the commercials, though.
3: I will say this past episode of uh, House of the Dragon, it would have kept your interest for about maybe about three scenes. That's all I need, man. Give
1: me three scenes, and I'm good. 3.17 is the time. We'll come back. Hit this text line. The hash text line has been blowing up at 69187, keyword r The question is, where would you like to see the most improvement from week one to week two when you're talking about the Raiders? It's Raider Nation Radio, 920.
4: Snap for Carr
1: on third down. Pressure comes. Lobs it for the end zone over the shoulder. It's caught. TDLV, Brandon Boyd. Shoulder got two feet down inside the pylon. And for the first time in 2022,
3: the Raiders in the end zone. Now back to unnecessary roughness. Here's your boy Q.
1: Got Ted Wynn coming up at 3:30 from the athletic to break down some film. Shout out to East Lake Raider as well. Definitely appreciate him. But uh yeah, Ted Wynn will join us at 3:30 little. Football breakdown, a little film analysis here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Up until then, though, we'll take your calls and texts. 702-365-9200. Salmon S text sign 69187, keyword RNR and Blowing up. Where would you like to see the most improvement from week one to week two? Mailman Raider said, Q, I need to see improvement from Chandler. I've been on record how I was never on that train, but if he has another no-show against a team, he should absolutely know how to beat. I'm calling for Koontz on all passing downs and just bring Chandler in for the run. Koontz needs more snaps to develop. Better pass rush will also help out the DBs to get turnovers as well. That's Mailman Raider, and I'll say this: I do believe Chandler Jones is going to step up, and I do think he'll play better. Uh, but he was going up against a really good left tackle and Rashawn Slater, uh, first of all. But on top of that, I mean, he does need to—he does
3: need to play better at a higher level, no doubt. Real quick. First off, that text, appreciate you for listening, but come on, man, be real. There was one play where Chandler Jones basically had Justin Herbert by the ankles. Rich Gannon broke it down in his yeah. uh, 33rd team right. breakdown yeah. of, oh, Justin Herbert's so good. Because Chandler Jones has him by the ankle and he's still able to make the tackle. Right. And it goes to Max Crosby as well. Sometimes getting the pressures and it just doesn't happen. Sometimes these quarterbacks are just good.
1: Sometimes they're just better. Yeah. And Justin Herbert was a guy that was really... I mean, he was unflappable. Uh, matter of fact, Ted put out a tweet earlier talking about the Raiders' defense and the pressure they were able to get on Herbert and the fact that Herbert was just better. He was just better that day. And again, Max was busting his tail. Like, you saw Max literally all over the field and still wasn't able to get a sack, but it didn't mean he wasn't playing. He was busting his tail. And Chandler was working as well. He just didn't have a, you know, a fantastic game. So I'd like to see you know him show up in the stat sheet as well. I'd like to see Max get get home and get a couple sacks as well. And and you know, to Mailman Raider's credit, I I would like to see Coombs get some more snaps because the one thing I know about him, he makes the most out of the snaps that he gets. When he's out there, something always good happens. Uh, I got another text from the seven oh seven. I wonder what the record was for the quarterbacks that didn't play in preseason and that have a new head coach or OC. Probably 0 and eight, and that's a that's a good question. I, I and I I don't know that, but I know that every quarterback except for Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, and Kirk Cousins. Uh, They all they all those three guys won. The rest of the guys lost. Derek Carr, Matt Stafford, Aaron Rodgers, uh, who else? There was I forget. You had the you had the um, the screenshot that you took that was on on ESPN. It was so funny, I was at the Oyo yesterday and uh it came on the screens and I went to take a picture of it, and by the time I got around taking a picture, then all of a sudden that thing disappeared. But DeMond's like, Oh no, I did it. So who who
3: was the quarterbacks? Here we go. The losses for the quarterbacks include Joe Burrow, Aaron Rodgers, Matthew Stafford, Kyler Murray. Dak Prescott, Ryan Tannehill, Derek Carr, and the wins are coming from Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, Kirk Cousins, right. and Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson lost. Oh, that, oh, that's right. That's he hadn't, right. Played. He hadn't that, played yet by the time the graphic. Yet. Yep, Excuse exactly. Me. Yep. Add him to the loss column as well.
1: Right, exactly. So he lost as well. So eight out of the 11 lost uh, yesterday or in this past weekend in, in week one of the NFL season. Uh, Rob in Oakland said, I'd like to see two things change for next week. One, I want our offense to meet their defense with force, except for Devontae. I feel like the Dischargers' defense pushed around the Raiders' offense. Two, I want our defenders to get their hands on the ball. Herbert threw the ball all over the place with only one pass breakup. I know Herbert's good, but whether it's alignments or anticipation, Raiders' defenders have to start touching the ball. That's Robin Oakland. And, yeah, that one PBU was a great one by Nate Hobbs, but it would be nice to see them you know, break on the ball a little bit, uh, break up the, the pass, uh, get their hands on the ball, and get a turnover you know again i I was calling for two turnovers in the game they got none you know now they did have a fourth down stop so that you know you consider that obviously a a turnover but uh it would be nice to see uh, an interception a forced fumble something like that that would be good so uh robin oakland right there with the good text at 69187 keyword r and r let's go out to the phone lines talk to our good friend elliot welcome to the show what's on your mind my man
4: hey what's going on guys uh yeah man so thinking about what i want to see improve uh I, I think you guys nailed it with the uh, defensive turnovers. You know, that's huge. We didn't get any of those. I think if we get at least one, you know, it gives our offense one more shot. Um, but like you and DeMond were just saying, you know, I mean, Justin Herbert just played a damn good game. I mean, he's he's a really good quarterback. It's not that our defense did bad. It's just uh, Justin Herbert's really good. Uh, the other thing, you know, obviously the offensive line, um, I think it's going to get better uh, only because we're not going against um, – Mac and Bosa next week. You know, what I mean, let's not forget those two guys are game recorders as well. So, uh, the only way our offensive line doesn't improve next week is if Andre James is out. I think that's going to be pretty big. Uh, but other than that, you know, yeah, defensive turnovers—that's huge—and I think they'll get it done.
1: Good stuff, man. Thanks for the call. Definitely appreciate you. Let's hustle back out to the phone lines. Talk to our guy Mitch. I know we got a couple people waiting. Mitch, go ahead. What's on your mind, my man? Welcome to the show.
4: Hey, Phil. How are you? I'm blessed. Same here. So that's good. Um, hey, our running game, he's got to pick it up. That was pathetic, really. And, you know, Dominus Sue is still out there. And his price has to go down. you get, you got to make it all for this guy. Can you imagine? Look at that line. That, that you was know, the best line the Chargers ever had. That was the best uh, effort they ever made in 50 years of, his, of his existence. Maybe 60. Excuse me. I am getting old. Nice. 60 years. That right. was some uh, line they got. So, uh, can I, Dominic Sue, so if um, Chandler Jones get a little longer, too, I think Dominic so he he's still in good shape. Why not? All right. Thanks for taking
1: Hey, good stuff, man. Appreciate you. And, yeah, you know, it's, it's funny about that. The run defense wasn't really the problem for the Raiders, right? I mean, they did a good job. I, the Chargers ran the ball a lot, over 30-something times, but they only averaged 2-point-something yards a carry. There was many times they had negative runs, how many times did you see Sony Michelle run for a five-yard loss, you know, or try to run uh, east and west instead of north and south and, and and suffer a loss? Only problem is that the Raiders, you know, be sitting there at second and 15 or second and 13 or third and 10, and they give up the, the first down. That was the problem. But the run defense wasn't really uh, the, the problem. My biggest thing was they weren't able to get any pressure from the interior of the line. Uh, so I, I would like to see that, and that maybe be where Sue comes in, where he's able to get a little bit more push than the Raiders, uh, the interior guys that they have right now, and Hankins and Andrew Billings and you know guys like that. But I thought that the, the run defense was okay. Uh, I think the Chargers did um, the Raiders actually a favor by running the ball as much as they did. right? I mean, they ran the ball a lot of times, but they only averaged two-point-something yards. I, I take that every day of the week and twice on Sunday. They're going to only average less than three yards a carry. That's cool. Josh Jacobs, on the other hand, averaged almost six yards a carry. Problem is he only ran the ball ten times. That's probably something that needs to to you know improve. Uh, how about Cucamonga Raider on the Ash text line six nine one eight seven keyword R and want to see improvement from Raider Nation. Q. Yeah, I said it. I want to hear less dramatic fans on the radio talking about the season is over. Come on, fellas, be positive. That's from Kukumunga Raider. And well, I mean you know how it is, man. Um, fans are short for fanatic. And one week the sky is falling, the next week everything is rainbows and puppy dogs and. You know, these guys could do no wrong. So that's why we're here to kind of weather the storm. You know, as I I mentioned on yesterday's show that, you know, we're trying not to go all Twitter takes on on the radio, but I understand. We just, at least we don't get any calls with people saying some just wild stuff. Like I heard on a JT show when someone called in and suggested Derek Carr fakes an an injury or something, just so they can get another guy in. And that I, I was like, I didn't have any idea where that came from. That's just bizarre. So yeah, that, that we won't, we won't let those calls get through, but sometimes, you know, again, fans get a little fired up and uh, upset by their team taking an L. But I think usually by Thursday, by Thursday, they're already looking to the next week and ready for that next game. And the next game on the docket for the Raiders is the Arizona Cardinals right now. Those joining us on the phone lines from the athletic is our good friend, Ted Wynn at FB underscore film analysis on Twitter. And Ted, thanks so much for your time. And want to talk to you about the offensive line and really want to talk to you about the defensive line as well. Uh, Something I talked about I'd like to see improve from week one to week two is the O-line rotation and really not have a rotation. Have five guys that you believe are the starting offensive linemen. They played seven guys on Sunday. What were your thoughts on what you saw as far as that rotation went?
5: Uh, I think it was pretty strange because I don't remember seeing – um, an offensive line rotate that much, especially when there was no injuries involved. Um, but it, it just seems like they are still looking for um, the right combination of who, who to put out there. And um, that's never a good thing when you don't have an offensive line set because those guys have to build some chemistry with each other. And it, it's hard to build chemistry uh, when you have guys going in and out of the lineup.
1: How surprised were you that the one of the guys with the lowest PFF grade, if not the lowest PFF grade, was left tackle Colton Miller?
5: Uh, yeah, that, that, that's pretty surprising to me. Um, and, you know, I, I wouldn't buy too much into PFF grades because, you know, at the end of the day, it's still – Someone watching the film that you know may or may not understand the, the scheme or what right. um, they're, they're looking at. So you know, I, I think PFF does a lot of great things with raw stats. But uh, as far as their grades, I you know, I wouldn't. I, I think you should take them into account, but I wouldn't be dom- dogmatic about it and just say because somebody had a poor PFF afraid they they had a bad game. There's just different factors that are involved in in what happened.
1: Well, I'll tell you, a couple of the factors that happened for the Chargers, Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa. I mean, those guys are are absolute monsters, but when you're looking at the film, you're looking at what the Raiders' offensive line did. I mean, what stood out to you the most?
5: Um, You know, I I think some positive signs was there were a lot of good snaps where Derek Hart did have uh, time to throw, and obviously there's things involved like chip help and tight end help. And that sort of deal, but th- there were some good snaps Alluor uh, had against uh, Bosa against Mac. Um, but you know, in those critical third downs where they could just pin their ears back, they they also had some really disastrous snaps. Um, so uh, i I just think of those situations you you almost have to have some sort of help uh, help for those guys. And um, you know I, I think Darnell Parham played a pretty good game, the rookie. Um, I, you know, yeah, I think he might have been the best offensive lineman the, the
1: Raiders had. Yeah, I think I think he did as well. Again, we're talking with Ted Wynn from the Athletic here on Red uh, Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. DeMond's got one for you.
3: Yeah, Ted, you led right into my next question. It was going to be about Palm because I know you said PFF grades don't be so dogmatic about them, but when it comes to rookies across the NFL, he was the third highest graded rookie in the league with an 82.3. The score doesn't matter. But what exactly did you see from him? He's, did not, he did not allow – a um, pressure in that game. So, do you think, do you think that he earned the starting spot over Lester Cotton at right guard?
5: Yeah, I just think he was really solid. He improved. He pro- I thought he improved every game in the preseason, and in this game, the you know numbers speak for themselves. He didn't allow pressure. I thought he was good in the run game. You know, I, I would like to see. Uh, I would have liked to see the the, Ra- the Raiders run some more screen game to kind of slow down. The um, slow down the Chargers pass rush, and you know, I would love to see Parham get out there in space because he's so athletic. Um, but, yeah, overall, it's just a, a good game from uh, Parham. And, you know, I think as far as starting spots go, I, I would leave him out there instead of uh, rotating him.
1: Yeah, no, I think that he should definitely stay out there. Obviously, Miller's going to stay out there. James is going to still kind of wonder if he's uh, dealing with the concussion, see if he's going to be ready for Sunday or not. So there's questions there. What about the rookie Thayer Munford? He got some burn as well at that right tackle position. what did you see from Thayer?
5: Yeah, I mean, he, you know, he, he got a lot of help, and you know, he did get um, obliterated by, you know, the Chargers' um, elite edge rushers at times. Um, but yeah i mean i it's just it was just a small sample size against um some you know top of the league type of guys so it's kind of hard to really make anything uh, of his maps
1: well, I'll tell you, I mean, he's a seventh-round pick, and he's getting some burn in the first game, and he's going up against guys like you mentioned, a Khalil Mack, uh, Joey Bosa. That's got to be a little overwhelming as a, a seventh-round pick. But, uh, I mean, he was out there, again, part of that seven-man rotation. Ted, we saw the news today that Kelechi Semele is in town. He's visiting with the Raiders. Now, if this was 2016, Kelechi Semele, I'd be fired up thinking, okay, that's a big addition right there. He hasn't played since 2020. If, in fact, he's in shape and he's in good condition and, and, and they sign him, what do you think that Colletti assembly, at this point of the game, 33 years old, hasn't played for a couple of years, what he would bring to the table?
5: Um, you know, I was watching workout clips of him, and he's lifting a ton of weight, so he does look like he's in good shape, maybe too good shape, because he looks a little light, um, but, you know, at his size, uh, he probably would have to gain some weight, and if he did sign, he probably wouldn't play for uh, at least four, four weeks, I, I would think. Um, so, I mean, he has experience at right tackle in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe they take a look, look at him at both spots. Obviously, if he were to be able to play tackle, which is would be a big ask, um, that would be the most ideal thing for the Raiders. But if he could also uh, play guard, and he looked really good in his last um, in his last action at guard with the Kansas City Chiefs before he got injured, um, that would be you, you know that would also be a boost for the team.
3: All right, Ted, let's have a little fun. A bright spot for the Raiders Uh on Sunday was Devontae Adams. Now, do you think that he was the best-looking receiver, aside from Justin Jefferson, in the entire NFL? Because I know people want to say, we even had a text that said, hey, Devontae Adams wasn't brought in to have 150 catches a season. He was brought in to make Derek Carr's job easier. But it's still good to see him go out there and put up a monster performance.
5: Yeah, no, I mean, any time you make a, a trade with that much investment, and you know, and hype around it. It's good to see him dominate the way that um, that he has been. Um, but you know, I, I do think that there were a few targets that were forced, and you know, Derek Carr could have spread the ball out a little bit more in, in the first half. But I understand the uh, emphasis on trying to go to Adams, especially you know, at week one, and he's he's already your comfort blanket. Um, when you're trying to learn a new offense. And, uh, you know, there there were definitely some um, rustiness and some growing pains trying to play in this new system for Carr, I thought.
3: And some of those plays that you said that you saw that it was a bit forced and Derek Carr could have spread it around a little bit more in the first half, who did you see on certain plays that maybe he wasn't looking at because he was trying to force it to Devontae a little too much?
5: Uh, There there was one play I remember in particular where he – try to throw a fade to Adams when the corner was, um, you know, pretty much a lockstep with them and there was a safety uh, over the top. And I I believe it was Hunter Renfro that was wide open down the seam. That could have been a, uh, a pretty big play.
1: Yeah, no, there was a couple that were out there. I saw Mac Hollins open on one as well. And you know, Ted, uh, Derek mentioned that he was trying to be over aggressive, and, and one of the topics I had on the show yesterday was: uh, for years we've heard, oh well, Derek Carr is just going to check the ball down, check the ball down, check the ball down. So he holds onto the rock, and he decides that he's going to try to push it down the field. He takes some sacks, or else you know it's you know a, a bad play like the the throw to Waller down the seam that got intercepted. So there's you know there's some decisions that he probably would want back now, but it looked like he was trying to not be the guy that everyone said he was for the longest, which is like a checkdown, Charlie. Oh, did it, what's the Fine line. Do you see the fine line in trying to decide when to check down and when to push the ball down the field?
5: Yeah, it it is fine line, and you know when the the Raiders offensive line, you know, it has a difficult matchup. Yeah, you want him to get rid of the ball a little faster, but at the same time, you know, they're still trying to learn to build their chemistry. So I I think that's why you know he did hold on to the ball at times, just wait for Adams to get open, or um, you, you know he did force the ball to him at times, but. You know, one of the decisions that I thought was the correct decision, but it was just a bad throw, was his interception uh, on his throw to uh, Darren Waller. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if he actually put that ball over the top of uh, Tranquil, the linebacker intercepted it, it could have been a touchdown. I mean, both, both. I think they were in a, a cover-four type of structure, and both safeties did not get much depth. So really, the the only guy that was uh, on Waller was Tranquil, and he was trying to catch up to him running from linebacker depth. So if that ball was over the top, um, Waller could have ran for a touchdown.
1: Talking again with Ted Wynn here from The Athletic here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. You put out a tweet, according to PFF, the Raiders' defense ranked fifth in pressure percentage. Uh, opponents against, opponents dropbacks with pressure. Justin Herbert was unflappable. Uh, let's talk about that defense. Uh, Chandler Jones, uh, a few people have called in and said, hey, he was a no-show. We didn't see him in, in doing anything really on, uh, on Sunday, but Max Crosby was all over the place. What did you see from that Raiders defensive line?
5: Yeah, no. I, I thought you know they were really good against a run. I believe they, the, the Chargers averaged less than three yards a carry. I thought Ball Nichols was good against a run. I think Andrew Billings was good against a run, and he had, had you know he pushed a pocket on a couple occasions. Um, Justin Herbert's just a very hard quarterback to sack. I mean, he, he's a big guy. He moves very well, and um, the big thing is he's just so comfortable when this pressure. There's some guys that panic. Uh, he's just so comfortable with sliding around and getting rid of the ball before the pressure gets there um, that, you know, it, it, it really did affect him. So I think some people were surprised at how much the Raiders actually pressured him. Um, but, you know, just because they saw it from the TV angle and it, just the way – Justin Herbert just makes it look easy. Um, but I think it is a good sign going into week two against the Cardinals because they have some major pass protection issues. And if the Raiders can bring that type of pressure against uh, Kyler Murray, um, you know I think they'll have a good day.
1: A couple more guys I wanted to ask you about real quick, guys that I thought had really good games. How about John Abram? Uh, what, did you, what did you see from him, a guy who played every defensive snap for the Raiders?
5: Yeah, they, they, they moved him around, and um, I, I didn't notice him you know, getting burned in pressure, but I didn't finish the defensive film yet. I saw they moved him to a linebacker on a couple occasions too. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he he didn't look like he was targeted much. So, uh, But I can't say much until I, I, I finish the defensive film.
1: Well, what about uh, Nate Hobbs, the guy that had the one PBU that that the Raiders had? It was a really good play late in the game, uh, breaking it up and breaking up a passing and giving the Raiders an opportunity to even win the game late. Uh, what did you see from Nate if you were able to check him out?
5: Yeah, from, from the snaps I saw, he looked good. And, you know, I think he's a big part of why Mike Williams was uh, pretty much a no-show for for this game, uh, but I'm, I'm curious to what happen will, will happen now with a- Averard being hurt. Will yeah. you know Hobbs play a little bit more inside like he did last year, or uh, w- what they're going to do with that situation? But I mean, I-, I really believe Hobbs is you know ascending to becoming one of the uh, premier defensive backs in-, in the league, especially if he, you know put- has more performance like he did in week one.
1: Ted, before we let you go, I wanted to ask you, what do you think uh, we should be looking for for this game against the Arizona Cardinals? What do you think needs to happen for the Raiders to come away with a victory?
5: Uh, They're going to have to pressure, uh, bring a lot of pressure against uh, Kyler Murray, and I I think if they cut down on turnovers and uh, protect Carr against a pass rush that's not nearly as strong as uh, the one they face against Chargers, um, I think they could you know, pull, pull out this victory.
1: Well, they'll be holding it down at uh, Allegiant Stadium. It's the home opener uh, on Sunday, so we look forward to that. Ted, uh, you got anything coming down on The Athletic that we need to be on the lookout for?
5: Uh, I'm, I'm writing about the impact of the uh, top elite wide receivers uh, in Week 1, um, including Devontae Adams. Hmm. I think a lot of, um, of those top receivers just had monster days, and um, I'm just writing about how they impacted the game. Um, right now, so that should be out tomorrow.
1: There you go. Well, we'll be on the lookout for it, Ted. We always appreciate when you enjoy the show and uh, you know give us a little bit of film breakdown. And again, you can find Ted's work on his Twitter account as well at fb underscore film analysis. And we're with us here on Radio Nation Radio nine twenty, Ted. Thanks so much for your time, my man.
5: No problem.
1: Have a good one. All right, there he goes. Ted Wynn right there from The Athletic. Always appreciate his his film breakdown. Of course, he's got that piece on the wide receivers, the outstanding wide receivers from week one that he'll be dropping tomorrow, so make sure you're on the lookout for that. And uh, as we take a break, let me go ahead and pass this little nugget on that I'm seeing. Raiders' Devontae Adams inks deal with Las Vegas gaming giant. The star wide receiver inked a deal with the MGM Resorts International that makes him the first active NFL player to become a brand ambassador for the resort group, so uh, yeah, his time in Las Vegas, he's starting to uh, he's starting to cash those checks, right? You see him on commercials for Taco Bell, and now you're seeing him as a brand ambassador for uh for MGM Resorts International. Yeah, he's he's getting the bag, man. He's making the most. He's can't got get get in Green Bay. Getting can't get that in Green Bay. You're right. You know, look, I, and it's so funny. I was, I think I was at Vegas Jess's house um, a couple weeks ago, and we saw the the Devonte Adams uh, the Taco Bell commercial. And I was like, when's the last time you saw Devontae Adams on a Taco Bell commercial before he was here in Las Vegas? I had never seen one. Just saying. Mm. He's uh, he, he, he's starting to, starting to starting to thrive in this Las Vegas community. Let's just put it like that. Being here in Vegas is uh, good on and off the field for one Devontae Adams. 3.44 is the time. We'll come back. Close out hour number two. It's Raider Nation Radio 920.
3: Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. On Raider Nation Radio.
1: 4 o'clock, we'll be talking to Lincoln Kennedy, Raiders Radio Network. Figure out what he saw from Sunday's game. Then when we talk to him on Thursday, we'll be looking forward to the game against the Arizona Cardinals at Allegiant Stadium. Right now, though, I want to go out to the phone lines here at 702-365-9200. Again, Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Saul, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother?
6: Hey, what's going on, Q?
1: Chilling, man, chilling.
6: Hey, man, no, uh, i just been, you know... The last couple of days, listening to all these Raider fans get it all out, man. I get it. You know, I was frustrated as heck watching that game. But, uh, you know, I just like you to write, get a notepad out, man, and write some of these cats' names down and remember remember what they're saying now in week one, you know what I mean? Because a lot of these dudes that are calling in, because I listen to the show every day, and I, and I, I could tell you offhand the dudes that praise Derek Carr and this and that and this and that. I mean, we all knew. We had problems with the line, not the whole line, but we knew that we were working things out. And we all know he had a bad game. You know, who hasn't had a bad day at work? You know what I mean?
2: Mm-hmm. But, I
6: mean, it's week one. Come on. Okay, we're not, we're not you know, throwing in the towel yet, yeah, but I just don't get it. I've been a Raider fan all my life. I'm from Southern California, and I've been through the seasons where, you know, it's been tough to be a Raider fan. But come on, man. I mean, this is what we do. We're supposed to support our team. I understand we all want to win. I understand the, the standard's high. But, I mean, it's week one. We all know what it is. He had a bad game. He threw some passes that he shouldn't have. And, you know, it was rough. You know, he didn't play in the offseason. It is what it is. And that's what our coaches decided. We have to roll with it. Let's give it a chance. Let's, let's go in here week one. Let's blow it out. Let's, let's take the Cardinals out and let's start over and then just build from there. But, come on, support your team, man. This is a Raider nation. This is not a new organization. We've been around forever, okay? We may be new to Vegas, but this ain't new to the NFL. We're not mm-hmm. new fans, so let's act like it, and support our team. We're fans, man, to support our teams from day one. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, I got you. Good stuff, man. Great call, and that's a good level-headed call, right? And, you know, as we've been saying, and we've been kind of letting, you know, Raider Nation, Wu-saw, you know, kind of get it out of the system because, again, uh, the Raiders are going to need you on Sunday, right? I mean, they're at Allegiant Stadium, and I know we all say Allegiant Stadium South this and that, and I'll say this. Now, I've heard a lot of people say how much the Raiders Raiders dominated SoFi Stadium and how it was such a blackout. It wasn't really that much of a blackout. I mean, let's be honest about the situation, right? I mean, the parking lot, there was a couple parking lots that were full of Raider fans, no doubt. When I drove in, I said, okay, I see you representing. But as I sat around the stadium, I sat in the press box and looked around the stadium, there was a lot of powder blue in there. There was. There was a lot of booze when the Raiders came running out. There was a lot of booze when the Chargers came running out. It was a pretty... Split crowd. It wasn't, in my opinion, just my opinion, it wasn't one where it was like 75-25 where the Raiders dominated. That wasn't the case. There was plenty of Raiders fans there, but let's not get it twisted. In that big old building, there was plenty of Charger fans there too. So it wasn't really, in my opinion, Allegiant South. It wasn't, you know, the vacation home that we all expected it to be. There were some fans, because the expectations for the Chargers are high, some of the fans that normally wouldn't show up came out of the woodworks. Right? So, that's that's also a, a scenario. So, I tell you that to say, Raider Nation, you need to represent on Sunday at Allegiant Stadium. Don't let, and I know the Cardinal fans aren't going to come in there and, and take over the stadium, but don't let, you know, Arizona go in there and feel like, oh, man, we can handle this. The fa- fans ain't ain't nothing here. No, just go and represent. But again, you know, it's a couple of days of, of of letting it all out. Get it all out and, and and feel good about yourself and get prepared for Sunday because, again, the game is going to be a big deal. We're excited to bring you the Q's kickoff show excited to bring you the pregame show excited that we're going to be there at Allegiant Stadium man it's a lot of good stuff that's going to be going on and I don't think one game is going to define what this season is going to look like for the Raiders I'm willing to bet and I don't bet money but I'm willing to bet that they're going to have a really good season straight up I think I still think they win double digit games I know that they still have to win double digit games they haven't won one yet but I think that they still win double digit games I think it starts this Sunday with the Arizona Cardinals, let's go back out to the phone lines real quick. Talk to our guy Dolby Raider. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind?
0: Hey, you. Q. Um, big fan. I've been a Raider fan for over forty years, um, and I just um, just wanted to make a couple of points about the, you know the Raiders. I'm not. Sh- I'm trying to be level headed about it, but <laughs> I kind of felt that um, I saw some of the stats. I mean, the O line didn't really play as badly as some people think they did. I saw some stats about how, you know, uh, the Raiders actually had 15 pressures on Herbert, um, but the Chargers only had 11, ending up in five sacks and, and, and none on the Chargers. And I think it has everything to do with something you've mentioned so many times, which is Carr's inability to feel pressure, move up in the pocket, and Herbert's just a master at it, even though he's only been playing for a couple of years. Um, that probably isn't going to change, but it, it, the problem isn't entirely with the Raider O-line, at least in this game it wasn't. Right. Uh, it's, it's mostly Derek Carr. And the other concern I have with Carr is, like I think he's a very good quarterback, but in the last six games that I've watched, really starting with the Cleveland game last season and then moving forward to the end of the season and then also this season, uh, is just just a lot more interceptions and fumbles than before. Um, you know, he had he's had eight interceptions the last six games. He's had seven fumbles. I think he lost five of them. At fifteen, you know, almost turnovers. Maybe thirteen turnovers. And he's only had six touchdown passes. And you know, I really, really hope that this Sunday, this last Sunday, was an aberration, but. Uh, the trend on Derek Carr in the last six games has not been encouraging. Like, a lot of people give him a lot of credit for leading the team through all the hardship last year. I do feel that's true, but I just kind of feel that he's, he didn't have as much to do with the Raiders winning six games as some of the other factors, like, you know, maybe the coach or the defense or other players playing the hard out. Uh, and I'm just concerned that this is going to linger on into this season. You know, just hoping that... Um, you know, next next Sunday there to come out and uh, Carr's going to make all the doubters go away. But I'm just a little concerned about his performance in the last uh, few games. All
4: right,
1: fair enough. You know, not not mad at that at all. And uh, yeah, there's there's cause for concern for sure, right? Um, you know, I I continue to want to see him push the ball down the field. Uh, you know, I think that he held the ball a, a little bit longer than probably necessary on a few plays. And when you know that the offensive line is a little suspect, like like uh, Josh McDaniels said yesterday that, you know, you have to realize sometimes when a play is over and just decide to chalk it up. I, I want him to play more of that style than I want him just to immediately get the ball out of his hands. I just think there's too many playmakers, and you want to get it to him and give him a chance to make some plays. So I want to see Adams with the ball. I want to see Waller with the ball. I want to see Renfro with the ball. And I want to see Jacobs running the rock, right? And, and Zamir White, I'd like to see him get involved as well. But. Uh, you know, if it's just about, you know, check it down, check it down, check it down, get it out quickly. Uh, some of these guys aren't going to be as effective as they could. 3.56 at the time. We'll come back, kick off hour number three of the show. Uh, we'll join Lincoln Kennedy, Raiders Radio Radio Network. He'll join the show. This is Nation Radio 920.